So, like Pastor Andy said, my name is Joy. I am. I am indeed one of our uh, resonant young adults, and I'm so excited that I get to be part of this uh, Young Adult Sunday and share my heart with you a little bit about what I've been learning in Jonah. I actually have a very uh, special place in my heart for Jonah. I brought you guys a, a picture uh, of me dressed as Jonah as a three-month-old baby. <laughs> I was going to try to recreate the picture for us today, but I'm getting a little too big for the baby swing, so it didn't quite work out. <laughs> um, Jonah is such an exciting book of the Bible, and I am very honored to get to speak about the book of Jonah. And as this Sunday is getting closer and closer, and I've been telling all my friends and my family and all the people that I get to do this, everyone's reaction was really similar. Everyone was like, ooh, are you nervous? You know, do you, are you ready for this? And the truth is, I couldn't think of a more safe place to get to take this uh, step of faith and get to say yes to the Lord than with you guys Uh, the people who I worship with every single Sunday for the past two years. And so I'm so excited to get to do this. I did kind of have a weird thought when I first found out that we were doing the book of Jonah because it seems like one of those books that would be hard to teach from because it's kind of like this fairy tale story. And, you know, if you don't know the book of Jonah, basically he was a prophet and he got asked to go to Nineveh, which is a place that he hated. And he said, no thanks. And he ran away from God. He got on a boat And then while he was on that boat, got thrown off the boat, then got swallowed by a big fish and was in the belly of the fish for three days, then spit back up. And the rest of Jonah's story is basically him fighting with God and and him being really frustrated that this is what God asked him to do. And so it's just one of those stories that you kind of have to like, huh, about, you know? But the truth is that Jonah's story isn't really a story about Jonah. It's a story about God, right? It's a story about God's character, his his sovereign rule, right? His desire to be near to us and to save us. Um, I think all of us at some point in our lives has been part of Jonah's story, whether we've been a Ninevite and we have openly and aggressively hated God, or if we've been um, one of the pagan sailors on the ship with Jonah and we kind of were just doing our best trying to figure stuff out but didn't really know better. You know, I think a lot of us have been in Jonah's shoes where God has asked us to do something and we were just like, "Mm, I don't really want to do that. And, you know, if we're lucky, we even get to be the big fish in somebody's story, and we get to help someone get from point A to point B in their, in their journey with the Lord. <laughs> and so, nevertheless, we've all rebelled, right? All of us have, at some point, rebelled. And rebellion simply is just saying no to what God asks of us. And just like Jonah, we're never actually farther from God than when we're close to God, and we still say no to what he has to say. When I was going through the book of Jonah, this specific verse, uh, Jonah 1.3, was one that stuck out to me. I'm going to read it to you guys. It says, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So a few months ago in Resonate, uh, Derek and Jamie and Chris and Carolyn uh, sort of We did this study on ways we can read scripture that are deeper than like a surface level and how we can take it in for all that it's written for. And one of the really cool ways that Derek had encouraged us to do this is by looking at specific words in Hebrew or in different translations. And um, the 
one of the words that I had looked up while I was studying was uh, the word presence. And I'm going to probably butcher this, so Derek can help me out later, but <laughs> it's paneum. And the word means face. And so essentially, putting that back into context of the verse, it would say, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the face of the Lord. And so Jonah was in really intimate relationship with God. He was right in God's face, right? He knew God. He was friends with God. He was near to him. Yet he still decided to run away. Last week, Pastor Anna used this map, and it was uh, a good, a good uh, visual for us to see how far that <laughs> Jonah ran away from God when he said he left the face of God. He really did, and he went and he ran real far. Jonah is a very interesting book of the Bible, in my opinion. It's only four chapters long, and it's very short, um, but they have it divided up into seven episodes, as, as the Bible people called them. And today I wanted to share with you my heart for the second episode, which is Jonah and the pagan sailors. And so I'm going to read to you guys a full chunk of scripture, like a really good chunk of scripture, <laughs> because I think it's important that we're all on the same page and we all have the same context as I speak, and then I'll pray, and then I will share with you the rest of it. I'm so excited. <laughs> so this chunk of scripture I'm going to read is Jonah 1, 4, all the way through 16. They are going to put it up on the screen so you can follow along if you want. <clears throat> but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break apart. When the mariners were afraid, they each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner parts of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots so we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of the heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. When the men, then the men were exceedingly afraid, and they said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more temptatious. So he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that the great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get to back to dry land, and they could not, for the sea grew more and more temptatious against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased to you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for each and every one of these people sitting in front of me. I thank you so much for this wonderful church that we get to be a part of. I thank you for the freedom that we get to sit in these seats. God, I just invite your presence to come and to speak through me, and Lord, to stir in each and every one of these people what you want to stir within them. God, I thank you again for your word, and I thank you for your presence. You're a good God, and we love you very much. Amen. So one of the first things that I thought was really interesting when I started reading uh, Jonah was that Jonah was like a really, like, 
cool guy. I mean, he wasn't at all a bad guy. He knew the Lord. He was well-liked. He was a prophet, and he wasn't a, a guy who prophesied bad things. I mean, he was a good guy, and he probably was well-liked and had lots of friends. But when he was faced with this challenge, he got on this boat all by himself. You know, he didn't get a bunch of his friends together and go like, let's go on a cruise. We're going to go to Tarshish, and we all got on this boat together, and we're all going to go uh, flee from the Lord together. He did this alone. Um, unknowingly, though, he, there's consequences to that and consequences to his sin and his disobedience because as we see here, the pagans were greatly affected by his choice, even though he did get on that boat all by himself. Um, just like Jonah, you guys, we never sin alone. In Resonate, often we talk about this. Chris and Carolyn and Jamie and Derek talk to us a lot about how what we do today and the choices we make today and how they affect the rest of our lives. You know, we talk about money and how we steward our money today is going to affect how we have our money tomorrow or the way that we have relationships today is going to affect our relationships with our spouses in the future. And that's not just um, a young adult thing. That's a thing for all of us, right? As a parent, the way that you parent your children then affects them. And as a grandparent, the way you interact with your grandkids affect your kids or vice versa. As a teenager, right, the way that you have relationships with your parents now then affects your relationships with them in the future. And for me, I, I learned this lesson the hard way. When I was 18, actually, I had decided that I was 18 and I was an adult and I was going to do whatever the heck I wanted to do. <laughs> and I kind of wrecking balled my life with the choices that I made, um, kind of rationalizing it with the thing that it's my life. I'm an adult and I get to do whatever I want to do. And the truth of that was my life and my choices affected the people I love and I care about. And even now, almost four years later, I am still having to apologize for things I had uh, done and, and mistakes that I had made, and I still have to turn around, and there's still a mess behind me that I have to, to work on cleaning up because my actions didn't just affect me. They affected my family and my friends and the people who I care about. The cool part about that, though, is that when we walk in obedience with the Lord, we don't ever have to turn around and look at the mess. We don't ever have to apologize for being obedient to the Lord. In Jonah's story, we see the pagan sailors that were greatly affected by Jonah's choices and, and the, the decisions that he made. Um, and they were not just kind of affected. I mean, their livelihoods were affected and their actual lives were affected. Um, pagans at the time would have just been a, a guy who um, stereotypically didn't serve God the way the rest of us would, or they didn't go to a synagogue or whatever. They, they probably believed in certain gods, and we see that as they called out to their gods, but they weren't super religious. And these guys were sailors. This is what the Bible tells us. And so we know these were, wasn't the first time that these guys have been on a boat, the pagans, the pagan sailors. This was their, their job. This was their lives. They had probably been on a ton of boats and, and been through a ton of storms. And so their reaction and us understanding that these people are, are, you know, weathered sailors can really show us how big this storm was and how greatly their lives were affected by the choice that Jonah made in this moment. The pagans hurled this cargo off the boat, right? And this, this cargo would have been their money and their lives and their jobs. This wasn't a choice they probably made lightly. But as the pagans hurled the cargo off the boat, they didn't realize that the heaviest cargo that was on the boat was Jonah's sin. We've all been on the same boat as Jonah. We've all experienced being on this boat. Each of us have run from God and probably found ourselves in the middle of a great storm because of it. 
In the last few weeks, I have met with Pastor Andy quite a few times to talk through some stuff and, and to get his wisdom on, on things. And one week when we were talking, he shared this verse with me. And it's a verse I've heard before, but for some reason, this verse just hit me like a brick wall this time around. So I want to share this verse with you and kind of challenge you um, to see if you can, can think of this verse in a different way than maybe you have read it before. The verse is Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. And it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Typically, we use this verse when there's like a tragedy, and we just can't really wrap our heads around why God would let something happen to us. You know, but when we apply this to Jonah's situation right now, we see that it's really applicable, right? Jonah thought that he knew better than God in this situation. And when, when he was asked to do something, he thought that he knew better. He thought, that's not what God would have done. That's not what I want to do. That doesn't seem like it fits in the picture of what I'm trying to get done. And in my Bible, as I was studying it, my study Bible says, God's will is vastly superior to the expectations of humans. And I loved that. You know, when God asks us to do something that feels really unattainable or really challenging or just kind of sucks, you know, can we believe that God's will is vastly superior to our expectations, right? We get put in situations and, and then we're, we're trying to figure out what the best outcomes are. And, and, and sometimes that does not match up with what God's trying to do. Uh, Pastor Andy said a few weeks ago that there were only two outcomes in Jonah's mind when, when all of this was going down, right? So the first one was he would go to Nineveh and they would kill him because they were rotten people. Or he was going to go to Nineveh and... God was going to be faithful. He was going to save these people. And then Jonah was going to have to have a heart change towards the Ninevites. And the problem with having a heart change towards the Ninevites was that that challenged everything that Jonah was. That challenged his whole identity as a prophet, you know. And, and Jonah, in that moment, was only willing to surrender up into a point, right? Jonah was saying, you can, I will do all of this stuff except for this. You know, and I think often we do that in our own relationships with God when we say, God, I will talk to any of the people in this room except for that guy. Don't make me go talk to that guy. You know, or I would do anything you ask me except for to go to Africa to be a missionary because I don't really want to do that because that feels out of my, out of my capabilities, you know. And, and we need to remind ourselves, though, that lordship must be total if it's going to be real. We need to fully surrender all areas of our life if it's going to be real surrender. Let's talk about Jonah for a second, right? I said this challenged his identity. And, and Jonah was a really well-liked guy. Like I said, he wasn't prophesying things that would make the leaders of the time be like, mm, we don't like him. Don't let Jonah talk anymore. You know, the things Jonah was saying were good for the country of Israel, you know? And Jonah loved Israel. As the 4th of July comes up, I was really thinking that, like, about Jonah being so patriotic, right? He would have been the guy with like the two American flags on the back of his truck yelling like, America, out the window. Like Jonah loved his country. He really did. And the, the nation of um, Nineveh would have really challenged Israel being a great nation. And, and Jonah wasn't okay with that. And Jonah wasn't okay with losing this, this kind of title and thing that him and God worked together to build. Jonah should have been a man desperate to share the word of God, however God seed fit, right? He was a prophet of the Lord. Yet we see in the story of Jonah that that was the opposite of his, of his character at the time. 
Jonah was sleeping, right, when the other people in the boat, the pagans, the people who didn't know the Lord, were just working for the common good of everyone on the ship. You know, when those people started calling out to their gods, Jonah, who knew the one true God, was silent. When others were looking for a solution to the problem, he was just going to throw in the towel. When they said, we really don't want to do that, and they rode harder, Jonah said, please just throw me off the boat. We see this very different comparison in virtue between a man who knew God and knows God and a bunch of people who didn't. Jonah's sin ended up creating space between him and God. And and by allowing that sin into his heart, he shipwrecked his own character and integrity. If you haven't figured this out yet, I really love the Old Testament. I love the shadow that Old Testament paints for us and, and how it's like a roadmap to Jesus. And it gets me really, really excited. And Jonah was absolutely exciting to study. It's a, like a literary masterpiece, you guys. It has a storyline that we teach in Sunday school, a story that little kids can recite to you. But still, there's so depth, so much depth in the words that they use. And, and the author uses so much repetition and, and different ways of writing in order to get his or her, I guess I don't really know who wrote Jonah, point across. <laughs> I want to point something out to you guys. As I was studying this, it, it came really cool to me, and I think it really painted a picture of what is happening to Jonah as I say this space is getting created. If you look back at verse 2, it says that God asked him to arise, right? If you look at verse 3, it says that Jonah went down to Joppa. And then at the end of verse 3, it says he went down into it, meaning the boat. In verse 5, it says that he went down into the inner parts of the boat. And then it says at the end of that verse that he laid down. So we see the repetition in just these first five verses of the word down, representing Jonah going farther and farther and farther down into his own sin, creating this space between him and God. And he starts to really spiral, right, as he goes down. The thing about sin is it's kind of like a tide, right? You, you dip your toe into the water and eventually you're taken out farther than you ever anticipated you were going to be taken out. I feel like I've talked a lot about Jonah so far, so I want us to jump into a different set of shoes for a second. Let's put our feet into the shoes of the pagans, the people on this boat that were affected by Jonah's sin, right? How do we react when we're affected by the people's in our lives' sin? What are we supposed to do when other people's chaos brings a huge mess into our own lives? Naturally, I think we want to just start cutting people out and throwing people off the boat, you know, and society tells us if they don't serve us that we should get rid of them, right? But we are challenged here and encouraged by the pagans that when that stuff happens, we need to hold tight to Christ. We need to hold tight to who God says that we are as those people. Jonah knew God, right? And these pagans didn't. Yet, because the pagans didn't know the Lord, and their heart was to do good, and their heart was to do right, and they wanted to do the right thing, that's how we see God's character. That's why the story isn't about Jonah, and the story is about God. Because we see at the very end of that little part that I read you, that they feared the Lord, they made sacrifices, and made a vow. Their hearts were completely changed by God. And that had nothing to do with Jonah. You know, Jonah was disobedient. And that really sucked. But even though Jonah was disobedient, these pagans still found the Lord. 
right? And, and God's character is that he would have rather used Jonah as a testimony and as a witness to bring these people to the Lord. You know, his will isn't to always throw storms at us. But even though Jonah wasn't where he was supposed to be, these people's lives were still captured by the Lord. And I don't want you guys to hear me say that by me saying like, whatever you do, it doesn't matter because God's going to get his will done anyways. That's not an excuse for us. It is hope for us though, right? It's hope that when we are disobedient and we create space between God and us, he's still there. This is still a story about God. So what can we take from this book and what can we do with the Old Testament interactions? You know, what can we do with this whole story and how can we apply that to our lives today and, and, and right now? And the truth is, sometimes the Old Testament can feel really far off, can feel like these stories weren't written for us. But the truth is, they were written for us, and they are applicable to our lives today. Within this story, I see two kinds of responses that we can take to what God is doing in that story and what God is doing in our own lives, right? We can respond like the pagans responded. In Jonah 1.16, that verse I had referenced earlier, it says, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. For us, we can can look inside of ourselves and we can find those areas that we're saying anything but this God. The areas that we're holding too tight, the things that God wants and we won't let him have. And we can lay those down at his feet, we can surrender those to him, and then we can make a vow. And that vow is just changing our answer from no to yes, right? It's as simple as saying, okay, you lay it down at his feet. And you say, yes. You know, there's another response we can take, and that's the response of Jonah. We see right after the end of that little part that I read you, uh, Jonah's response. And the whole chapter two is Jonah's great prayer of repentance. You know, and, and Jonah didn't have to go far to find God after he was ready to repent. Um, even though he left the face of God, right? He didn't have to go back to the place where he had made that choice to get back with God, Right? He didn't have to turn around the ship and and go all the way back on that big long map and then get off the ship and then go back to that exact spot that he was with and say, okay, God, I changed my mind. And God didn't cross his arms right there when Jonah left and said, fine, I'm going to stay here until you want to come back. Jonah was after running away from God. He was after getting as far away from him as possible. And God was after getting Jonah back and getting back into the face and the presence of, of God. And God is right here with us right now. And that's the beauty of this is, is we can stop what we're doing today and, and we can just change our mind and want to be close to God again. And we don't have to go back. We don't have to undo or redo all of the decisions that we made in order to run from him. We can just say, I'm here and I want to be next to you. You know, that's our hope today, you guys. And that's my hope for you guys is that you realize that the Lord is with us right now and he is beside us right now and he's ready to take us back whenever we decide we want to come back. I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's very immensely hard to get my eyes off of myself and onto God or onto the people near me. You know, often in these situations, I find myself being like, me, 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 me. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm affected by this. This hurts my heart. I don't know how I'm supposed to figure this out. And the truth is, we don't have to. You know, as we are reminded that our lives affect the people around us, that encourages us to get our eyes off of ourselves for a second. 
You know, I'm encouraged and then I am challenged when someone reminds me of that, that my actions are affecting my mother. You know, my actions are affecting my church. My actions are affecting my coworkers. The truth is the best gift that we have to offer those people in our lives is right relationship with God, right? The best thing I have to offer my best friend or my boyfriend or my mom or my coworkers or my church is my relationship with the Lord. And when Jonah got on that boat after he had said no, he left the greatest thing he had to offer that boat right there on the shore and got on the boat and left, right? And so I want us all to stand up for a second and to take some deep breaths. As the worship team comes forward and I kind of close this out, I just want us to remember and to quiet ourselves and and quiet our hearts. I can get really excited and I can get really jacked about what I get to talk about and about what the Lord is doing. But I think it's important for us to stop for a second and and to get back into that headspace of our relationship with the Lord and quietness with the Lord. We have a chance to respond to God however he is prompting us to respond today. Whether it's to respond like the sailors, and we're going to come forward and take communion that's on both sides, and we want to make that vow to the Lord, and we want to surrender that peace of our heart that we have been holding so near to us. Or if we just want to sing with the worship team, and we want to just have that closeness with God again, and we want to turn to him and say, I'm ready. Yes. I want to come back. Or, you guys, we have an amazing prayer team that hangs out in the back who wants to pray for us. And if you're in the middle of a storm and on a ship and you just truthfully don't know how to get out of that, and it just feels way too overwhelming to do anything else, I encourage you to go back and get prayer. Prayer is not the least we can do, but the most that we can do. And sometimes the bravest thing that we can do is ask for help and ask for prayer. And so if we're in the middle of that storm and, or we're in the middle of somebody else's storm and they're affecting our lives and we are exhausted from rowing so hard, go get some prayer, you guys. No matter how we end up responding this morning to what the Lord is doing, I want to remind you that we are never too far from God and that it's never too late for us to come back to him. And that he will always, always, always go into the depths of the sea for our hearts. We are the only thing that God does not have. And he doesn't take that lightly. He wants our hearts, right? I'm so encouraged by the way that God pursued Jonah and the way that he pursues us. It is not something he takes lightly. He craves to be near to us. He craves intimacy with us. And he wants to be close. And so I want to close us in prayer really fast. And just continue to invite the Holy Spirit to be with us this morning and throughout our week. Sundays don't end when we walk out the door. Sundays continue to go all the way through our week as we take what the Lord is working in us and continue to work on it and continue to let him move inside of us and encourage us. And as as we surrender to him, Sundays keep going. Sundays are my favorite day of the week. (laughs) So I just thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for the people that are here, and I just thank you for the work that you're doing in each and every one of us. God, I just continue to invite your spirit to move within us, within the worship team, and within the prayer team. God, I just thank you that you love us so much and so deeply that you would go into the depths of the sea, that you will not let our sin shipwreck us. You will not let the sin of other people shipwreck us. Lord, you're a good God, and you are so faithful to us. And I believe that, and I stand on that this morning. Amen.